0: Welcome back everybody to the wealth easy show where we talk all things, wealth, health, and real estate. Today, my guest, man, she is a powerhouse in the real estate industry. She is the founder and CEO of my condo source, one of Canada's top platinum pre-construction real estate teams. She and her team sell between four and 500 condos per year for the last five years. She has sold more than $1 billion of real estate and has a personal real estate portfolio of 19 properties. She's in the top 1% of realtors in the country. And when she's not traveling the world with top developers, she is donating her time to animal rescue. I know her as the queen of pre-construction, Sahar Mahmood. Thank Thanks you, for Sa-
1: having me. That was quite the intro. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, y- your bio speaks words. Like it's so long and I had to cut it short, but you have a massive bio. And I was really excited to have you on today because you have such an inspiring story.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, you
0: came, to this Canada- you came to Canada in 2003 for university, yeah, not knowing anybody not having any contacts. And here you are, this powerhouse female, immigrant, Mm -hmm. like kicking ass in the real estate business. Talk to us about your journey. Like what brought you here? Like what did you study in university and what got you into the real estate industry?
1: Well, I mean, you know, I think people see a lot of my Instagram now because I started my account just in 2021. When I was pretty, I guess, established by then, so they were like, they think that's an overnight success. What people don't see is that it took 10 years of work to even get into real estate. So I came here, like you said, in 2003. I went to York for my undergrad. Um, it was quite traumatic for me because I was actually coming from the States and I had to drop out of the university I was in at that time because my parents said they just couldn't afford it anymore and Canada's a much cheaper option. So the university prices here were like one-third of the U.S., yeah. So I hesitantly finished my studies here, um, graduated with an undergrad, then I got my first job. It was with ING Direct, which was like, it was a small customer service, intro role, $29,000 a year. I was so excited. I was like, wow, I'm like going to be like rolling in the money now, because I'd never even seen that kind of money before. Oh. And two weeks before the job, they said, oh, I'm sorry, we can't hire you anymore. And I said, what? They said, we didn't realize that you were international student. So we're not willing to sponsor you. So that was when my first, um, you know, hurdle kind of hit again. So after that, I had to find a job that I could prove that it was a job that Canadians can do. So it was quite difficult in that sense and challenging. So I was working for this small bookkeeping firm. They were willing to pay me a $1,000 a month, which gradually grew to $1,200 a month eventually. And I was doing that for three years until, you know, I got my uh, status here. So it was just something I had to do. I understood that this is the journey I need to be on. I wasn't I wasn't angry, I was actually grateful at that time that I had that opportunity for them to like sponsor me, finally get my PR. And then I was like, okay, now the world is my oyster. I can decide what I wanna do with my life. But an undergrad doesn't really get you very far. So then I invested in myself again. I said, let me go get my MBA. So that's what I did. I went to RBC, got a loan, $80,000 graduated in 2008 in the heart of the financial crisis Mm. with a degree in finance so that was like another hurdle nobody was hiring back then i was like oh my god now what do i do and now like at this point i'm thousand in debt as well and then you know i was like kind of floundering for a few years and then my friend was in real estate and they said "Mm, i don't know what you're really good at but why don't you try real estate and I was like, real estate, like real estate agents are the worst. Like I can't stand realtors. They just wear like suits and ties and they think they're so cool. I don't really do anything. They're like turning lights on and off for a living. And six months later, I got my real estate license because it was a cheap alternative to a new industry. I didn't just get a few thousand dollars and a few months of your time and you get a, you get your license. But by that time, because I'd been through so many years of grind, I said, OK, like I have to make this work. I already have my undergrad already have my MBA. Like, this is it. There's no, there's no going back from here. So I get my real estate license. I joined the brokerage that I'm still with to this day. And, you know, on my first day, I'm like, okay, I'm a realtor now. Let's go. Like, what do I do? And they're like, um, do you have any contacts? And I was like, mm, not really. They're like, do you have family who can feed you leads? I'm like, nope. My family lives overseas. I said, well, do you have money? I said, nope. I'm actually in debt. So they're like, well, you're going to go on the street and you're going to find people who want to buy rent and sell real estate with you. And that's what I did. So I started my journey by putting up ads on Kijiji. And there was a website back then that was popular, Craigslist.
0: I remember that, yeah.
1: And that's what I did every single morning. I used to post ads. I didn't have any listings of my own. So I used to like post other people's listings. And I built a very successful rental business from there. And I'll kind of expand on that a little bit here, because a lot of people say, oh, how did you do 100 rentals that first year? But like, because I never told what the process was, so I'll go in it quickly. Basically, I would put up an ad for other people's um, listings. This was in 2012 and 2013. It was a hot rental market at that time. So I would host an open house every evening at someone else's listing. I'd get 20 people show up there from my ads. I would only tell them I'm there from five to six, so it was very efficient not taking anybody around in my car, not meeting people at different times. Everybody came at that one time with their paperwork and I would probably get an offer close to every night. So, so other
0: other agents were allowing you to host open houses at their listing?
1: Uh, no, I they didn't oh. really know it was an open house. Oh, okay. I would kind of just say, can I advertise your listing? <laughs> sure. Most people say, sure. Yeah. Like for, I mean, like today, if I have listings, I say, of course, I'd love for you to like work on them, yeah. right? So what I would do is I would book the showing and take multiple people at the same time versus Uh, just one client. So I made my rental business very efficient. Mm -hmm. I managed to pump out like it was 120 deals in you know, 11th month period. So it's very, very efficient. And it really like taught me the foundations of being able to do contract work, time management, and being able to like, you know, build those relationships with people. Mm -hmm. My database grew super fast because think about it. I'm meeting 20 people a day all of a sudden. And you know, people have this like misconception that uh, people who come to rent don't have any money, and it's absolutely not true. A lot of the people that I built networks with were, you know, high net worth execs who just maybe here for like a year or two from like New York or some other city, and they're not looking to buy because they're only here temporarily. They're renting. So I actually built a very good quality database, I think, what I would say. And by the end of the year, I had three thousand names in there wow. of people who were interested in real estate. So even though they were rentals, we're still interested. So that's how I kind of like grew from rentals to pre-construction, because at the end of that year, I said, well, I don't want to do rentals anymore. I saw my paycheck at the end of the year. It was like 100 grand, you know, and I was like, how can I take the work that I've been putting in and take it a step further? So the biggest, um, I think the biggest flip for me, the switch that went on was I called up one of the rental agents who I was. You know, listing a building. I said, how do you have five you know, units for rent in the same building? This was in Liberty Village. And he told me it's because I sell pre-construction. So I'm like, how is it possible every unit on the sixth floor in MLS is your listing? So I was like, I, I don't even know what that is, but I want to do that. So that was my first introduction to pre-construction real estate. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what I was doing. And this agent said, well, do you have buyers? And I said, no, but I can find some. I went back to my rental database, called a whole bunch of people, and found seven people in one weekend who were interested in pre-construction real estate. And, you know, I think the advice that I would give new agents is, you don't have to take, you don't have to see the whole staircase, take it a step at a time. So what I did in the beginning, because I was, I had no experience in pre-construction, just like many resale agents out there also don't, is I kind of piggybacked on this agent. I said, can you do some of my appointments with me? and um you know i split the commission with him he closed my clients and i quickly learned the process i watched a few appointments and i was like okay i think i'm ready to do it on my own
0: that's that's an amazing uh start into the business because i i see your instagram mm-hmm. and and i see you at each week you're at several openings mm-hmm. and with all of the developers you're you're always receiving a a top award um from one of the de- from a developer. I mean, I yeah. saw you on your Instagram. You just received a Rolex. Yeah. You're off to Argentina. You're Tomorrow always traveling somewhere. How do you get involved, and what was your process in getting hooked up with all of these developers? Because there was just so many developments going on in the city right
1: now. Yes. So I would say that my suggestion for new agents, especially who are not platinum pre-construction agents, is focus on one development, and that's what I did when I first started. Because right now, everybody's, you know, looking for the next shiny project. And there's, like, with social media especially, it's like one day you're getting advertised one project, the other two. Even as a resale agent, you're so confused because if you follow me, I'm posting a new project every day. So how do you keep focused? So I would say to become a platinum agent, it's important to pick one site and then just focus on the leftover inventory. And that's basically what I did when I first started. Every site I went to, I said, I'm not leaving this uh, site till I do 20 deals. So I would do 20 transactions. I did that for three buildings in a row. And when you do that kind of volume, people hear about you, people want to meet you, and people start calling you themselves. Because a lot of agents can do two transactions in a development, three. But when you do 20, that then you know the builder's ears perk up, so to speak.
0: You got their attention.
1: You get their attention. And that's how you start getting invited in, with other builders, because they know that you have that history of doing high volume. And when I started, it was not a hot market, it was a slow market. So builders were having trouble moving inventory. So it was the perfect time to get in and like really slug out that hot list, basically.
0: Why has pre-construction become such a popular choice for potential buyers?
1: So there's a lot of different adva- you know advantages to pre-construction. I would say, especially now in this market, like interest rates are ridiculously high. I just yes. closed on a mortgage yesterday at 7.69, my heart bleeds. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it allows people to have that passive style of investment. So if I say I want to invest in a condo right now, but I'm not capable of getting the mortgage today, for example, mm-hmm. at these rates, or I don't want to bleed because it's going to cash flow negative, very heavily in this market. However, I have 150 grand, what can I do with it? So it's not just sitting in the bank. So a lot of people are like, I wanna take that money and have this passive style of investment that's going to not be developed for four, five, six, and now we're seeing closings of even up to like eight, nine years. Wow. So they can have their money grow. And I think pre-construction has that power of leverage, right? So. If you want to get into stocks, if you want to buy $100 of Apple stock, you got to put $100 down. Mm-hmm. Pre-construction, you want to buy $100 of real estate. You're putting, nowadays, is even 10% down um, projects. as projects that are 15% down. So you're really leveraging that money because you're putting down 15% on average, stretched out over usually two to three years. But you're getting capital appreciation on the full 100%. So I think a lot of buyers, at least our clients, like we educate them on that process and they see the value in that. The other thing is deposits are spread out over time, especially now we're seeing longer and longer deposits. Before it was quite common to see 20% down over a year and a half. Now most builders are doing 5% a year and they're doing it at, uh, you know, 10% or 15%, last five is not a occupancy, or the last 10 is not an occupancy. So it really allows people to stretch it out, because I might not have 20% today. But could I come up with 5% a year? Yeah, right. So it allows people to get into the market, and just get their foot in the door. And especially when I did rentals, I saw that a lot, a lot of these tenants You know, if you said you have 150 grand, they said no. But if you say you have 35 thousand dollars this year, could you save another 35 next year? They're like, yeah. So it allows them to basically a start investing slowly, um, save up for the deposits, build their credit history in the meantime, right, at their jobs Mm -hmm. that they've Mm -hmm. just started at. Because right now you might have a job history of six months, but by the time it's built, it's at five years. You've built your credit. You've built, you know. Your employment history, so it's easier to get a mortgage for them.
0: I find, you know, um, I have a real estate business too and a mortgage business, and I find kids, people can just can't get into the the, the real estate market just because home prices are too high, the resale market is too high. Mm-hmm. They can't save for a down payment, and a lot of the times their parents are actually having to gift money to them. So, what I like about the preconstruction, you touched on that, is that yes, you don't, you may not have one hundred and fifty thousand today you might have 30,000 and then the builders, because they're offering these long deposit structures mm-hmm. that they're able to get into the market because they can take two and three years sometimes to pay for these things and get paid exactly. while you wait because the, the value of real estate over time, it always goes up.
1: Yeah. And on top of that, we're getting some great incentives right now. So we're seeing incentives right now that were never offered before. Like a recent uh, project is now giving, 5.2% interest on in your deposits. Wow. It's it's insane, right? So like, why would you not invest? So A, you're getting to the market, B, you're getting incentives such as that. We're seeing $7 a square foot rental guarantee. So if you have any hesitation about like, where rent's gonna be, what's gonna happen, when this is built in three years, you have that kind of peace of mind that, okay, if I buy into this building, the is guaranteeing $7 a square foot.
0: How do they guarantee that? What are they doing to guarantee that?
1: They're basically, covering the rent for two years at oh, that wow. price. So d- depending on what how big your unit is, they multiply that and they pay you that rent, essentially.
0: Are you finding a lot of the people that are entering into the pre-construction, are they first-time buyers or are they buying this for investment?
1: Uh, both of them, I'd say more investment, but mm-hmm. I personally, in my business, educated a lot of first-time buyers because I was a rental agent. Yes. So that was my whole bread and butter, was educating my tenants on why you should get into pre-construction and how it is that feasible way for millennial 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 to get into the market because otherwise they just can't yeah yeah but our general database right now it's a lot of repeat clients or investors because mm-hmm. they've made they've seen the traction over the past few years and you know while the market is slow today yes if you look at the trajectory of real estate in a 50 year time frame every 5 to 10 years it's still gone up it's like a rubber band; it goes up and down, but in general, it's going up. So, think of real estate as being a decade trader, not a day trader. I tell all my investors: don't buy this today in the hopes of doing an assignment two years from now. Think that you need to hold on for five, six, seven, eight years, and you'll always be okay. So, you know, educating the clients today is what's helping us still do deals, while a lot of agents are actually still are struggling because they are our buyers don't want to buy right now, but we're still doing deals because we educate them.
0: That's a really great point that you make being a decade trader, not a day trader. You know, Um, I I was in the wealth management business. I managed a portfolio for 17 years and I had clients calling me sometimes on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, looking at their portfolio. Oh, it went Mm -hmm. down, it's gone up. It's, you know, people saying, what should I do? It's gone down. It's it's like, do you look at your real estate each week and see what it's done? Mm -hmm. No. Why? You're not selling. Are you retiring? No, you're not. Stop looking at this. You gotta look at 10, 15 years out because the the trend line for real estate and all of my high net worth clients, they all made their money in real estate over time because the trend line is always pointing upward. Mm-hmm. There are so many projects going on in the city right now. I mean, I, I I'm not even sure how many projects are how many pro- developers are doing projects right now. I think now in the city? this
1: fall we launched about forty sites. There's a lot. I know it's a lot of developments right now.
0: So how do you del- How do you direct your clients into which site they should invest in? And what are your principles? You have like three key principles when you show an investor. I know number one is location. I mm-hmm. see you talk about location even. Anyone mm-hmm. anyone in real estate, location, location, location. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things you talk to your clients about when you're looking at a project to invest in?
1: So I think it all comes down to what are their goals? Like when do they want to take occupancy? Because there's a lot of people who will say, oh, I'm buying this. I see this at a new site that I'm selling at Young and Sinclair. The demographic there is a lot of people who are from that area who are mm-hmm. looking to buy for their kids, which is very different from um, investors who I'm selling pre-construction sites in Hamilton, for example, who are just pure investors and they have no attachment to the area or anything. So it really depends on the goals of that client. Are they looking for something with a long closing? Do they want something that's ready quicker because they A, want to move in it move in it themselves or they want one of the children to live there? You know, we have some investors who say, oh, I want a downtown condo that's ready within four years because my daughter is going to be ready for university at right. that time. So it comes down to their personal goals and then also how much of a down payment do they have? Because like I said, a lot of the projects have different varying deposit structures. You know, like Madami is a builder that is pretty much doing 10% down on all their sites, whereas some other builders will be doing 15 or 20. So depending on how much deposits we have to play with, we can kind of like mix and match. Mm -hmm. I also look for obviously areas that are in, um, you know, going through a lot of high growth right now. So Etobico is one of them so the region has basically designated them as an economic hub and they're putting pumping a lot of money into that neighborhood right now mm-hmm. so there's about 30 buildings slated to come up there in the next 10 years 60,000 new jobs you know 60,000 new residents 30 new developments so areas like that you know right next to transit we know they're going to appreciate and do well so if someone says i want something at this price point and I'm flexible with my location, that might be a good option.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I personally have invested in Young and Eglinton, three condos because of the LRT that's you know, pretty much nearly yes. complete now at this time. Because yeah. I know it's like the only four-way stop. that goes all the way from Scarborough to Mississauga. It goes all the way to Pearson Airport. So it's going to become like a four-way hub, right? Like before, if you, if you look at Young and Bloor, the reason why it's so expensive is because it was a four-way stop. Right. Young and Eglinton is now going even further than that because it's going all the way to Pearson, all the way to Scarborough. So I personally love that neighborhood. I invested you know, into three different developments a few years ago, mm-hmm. and they've all done well.
0: Good. What are some common mistakes that you see people are making when, when purchasing pre-construction?
1: I think that the most common one is that they're going solely for price. So they'll say, oh, we saw this development in this neighborhood and it's priced $50,000 cheaper than that development. You have to look at the reputation of the builder and who is building this condo because when you have names like Pemberton, Tridell, Mankees, yeah, you might be paying a little bit more, but you have that security that, you know, they're not going to sink, that the condo is actually going to get built, that they can take those renderings and transform them into that building that they've promised you. So. You know, I see a lot of investors and they say, oh, well, we saw this project and it's by a first time like developer. And I say, no, there's no guarantee, especially in this market where costs are rising so high. Because what we're seeing is that if they don't get the shovel in the ground fast enough, they actually can't even build at the price that they sell today. Mm -hmm. I've seen that happen with two or three developments now that we sold in 2021, where they didn't start building. And now in 2023, getting close to 2024, looking a little bit iffy because they didn't get the shovel in the ground and i don't know if they can still build at the price that they sold at back then so it's very important which builder are you going with you know it's not always about the price points um the other mistake is people always seem to want to buy in something that they want to live in themselves and i'm the perfect example of that because like i love a condo with a very nice view i want to face a lake i want to be on a high floor but i tell people when you're buying for investment It's not always necessary because you're paying a heavy premium to get those views. A water view, just for example, in downtown Toronto, will cost you about 80 to 100 grand more than something on the north side with like a less desirable view. Like, are you going to get that premium in rents? No, you're going to get maybe $100 more a month. It's not even going to close to cover. So you have to think about things like that. Don't buy into a location that you want to live in. Buy into an area that's undergoing, transforming, and going through a lot of growth where your money is going to appreciate for you.
0: Now, that's a really good point um, because I, I've sold a few uh, pre-construction, especially mm-hmm. in, in Liberty Village, mm-hmm. and some of my clients were looking at, you know, what do we want? Do we want a, a lake view or do we want a city view? Yeah. And again, it all comes down to what kind of rent are you going to generate Mm-hmm from having a lake view versus the cost that you're, that you're paying. Yeah. Right. I purchased in, uh, in Hamilton in the Louis mm-hmm. Vuitton building, mm-hmm. I chose a lake view, mm-hmm. uh, just because if I ever decide to ever live in that, mm-hmm. uh, I want the lake view mm-hmm. as an investment purpose. I think if someone is looking at, I'm going to choose, I have a two or three different units that I'm looking at all around the same size, but, I got a lake view i think that unit would rent faster than the other units so Mm -hmm. i think it it, again it goes all depending on what is your what is your objective
1: yeah and then you know i see some purchasers and they say oh we don't want to buy a unit if we can buy parking a lot of the developments now you can't buy a parking unless you're getting a two bedroom but i tell people that listen this is downtown toronto the builder is charging a hundred and fifty thousand dollars for the parking spot, you're never going to make that money back on on yeah. the monthly rental that you get for that. With the maintenance and so forth, don't worry about the parking. No, we want parking because they're thinking about their own lifestyle and how they need a car. They're not thinking about that the tenant might be somebody who's just working, you know, a few minutes walk in the financial district. They don't need that spot. So they forego an opportunity because of the fact that they can buy parking. So that's another one that I've seen.
0: What advice do you have for someone that is looking to enter into the pre-construction market?
1: I think that, A, like we talked about, like it's very important which builder you're going with. Um, I would also say it's very important to work with a platinum pre-construction agent who knows all the developments really well and understands the incentives and knows the differences between different projects. A lot of people will want to buy pre-construction with their resale agent, who might be their mother or father or brother or sister, But those people, A, don't have access to, you know, inventory at the beginning stage. So you might be paying a higher price than the Platinum agents. You might not get the same incentives as the Platinum agents. And they just don't know which developments are even launching when. So they think that they're getting in in the beginning. But really, we sold that three weeks ago and all the best units are gone. Um, The other thing I would say is a lot of people, because we do a lot of online advertising, they say, we want to work with the builder. Are you the builder? I said, no, we're better than the builder because we're platinum agents and we're working for you. When you walk into a developer's office, the reps who are there are working for the builder. They're not educating you on the agreement. They're not going through the agreement and saying, "Oh, this could get capped, or you need to get this removed through the lawyer." And they—they're not doing any of that. They're representing the builder, so they'll give you like a nice, fluffy version of the agreement and go over it. But you know, they—they're they're not on your side. So you gotta—you gotta know that you gotta work with a platinum agent who's going to represent you and look out for those incentives and be able to offer you and be able to see what can I get changed, what's missing from this agreement, and really guide you in the right direction.
0: So I know my condo source is known as a platinum VIP agent. Mm -hmm. What kind of service can your clients expect from you and your team?
1: I think the first thing is um, good education on the sites to be able to fit their needs and then getting them in in that platinum stage. We hear about these developments much before any sort of renderings are released, much before the advertising from the builders are out, right? So we know about it like six months in advance. So if we have somebody who's like ready to invest and we know what they're looking for, we can get them into that platinum stage. Right now, the market's a little bit slower, but if you take 2021 as as an example, you could not get a unit in a building unless you're a platinum agent. Like pre-construction real estate works in phases. So first it's friends and family. Next is the platinum uh, sales and the leftover inventory, which in a hot market is very, very far and few in between, is what goes to the general realtors. So if you say I want like a one plus dense south high floor, they might say mm, we have like a north facing two bedroom on a low floor. Take it or leave it. Right. So when you get in with us because of our you know, history of sales with them in the past, we're able to get our, our clients exactly what they're looking for.
0: You're getting first. You're getting first dibs on it.
1: First dibs on it. And and what I've seen this year is that even though the market is slower in pre-construction, no doubt, it's, it's not a hidden fact, the projects that have good success, there's been about four or five projects this year that have been very hot. We even had a, a project just on the waterfront that just released a week ago. And while it's a big building with a lot of units, everybody wanted, for example, the south-facing three-bedroom. So there's still very hot layouts that you can get your hands on. If you're not a platinum agent so you could walk into the sales office and get a unit but you're not getting the best unit Mm -hmm. even in this market
0: what does it take to become a platinum agent
1: so like i said you have to work on past developments for that specific builder and just showcase that you're able to do volume which is what i would say is Mm -hmm. the best way to get in so take one of their inventory sites perform on that and say i want first access to the next development you do that with a few builders and Just keep it rolling like that. And that's exactly what I did back in 2014.
0: Amazing. So you've developed a a masterclass.
1: Yeah. I mean, I just kind of, the reason why I did that short, like, 30, 40-minute masterclass is because we do a lot of online um, advertising. And it's very hard for us and our small team to always keep going through the same information again and again mm-hmm. so when we get an online lead we send them our video and say hey just watch this you kind of get the basis and then come back with your questions and it just helps educate them and prepare them a little bit for the phone call
0: this go off topic because you have a passion for rescuing animals yeah and we have we have pablo here today we pablo, do. pablo escobar
1: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> and he's a rescue
1: He's a rescue from Mexico. So I've loved animals ever since I was a kid. When I grew up in Pakistan, there's like stray dogs and cats everywhere. So it's not like North America, you know, like you open your front door and you'll see like five, 10 of them. And ever since I was a kid, I was always just bringing them into the house, hiding them in my room. My mom would have to like pick them up and take them outside again, you know. Um, So I think that passion for animals was there from when I was very, very young. And now I just feel that, you know, I've reached this level of success where I'm not just worrying you know, the the problem with, um, I think, when you're younger and when you're building yourself is you're so focused on, like, how do I survive? How do I pay my rent? How do I pay my bills? That, like, even though you have those passions, you're not able to really, like, delve into them because you're struggling on your own to, like, you know, make ends meet for yourself or your family and your kids and so forth. So for me now, in these past few years, I really think about like what is my purpose. I've reached you know a certain level of success that I'm looking for, and why was I given this opportunity to come this far where others haven't? There has to be something greater than myself, and for me, that's animals. So you know, last year I did a spay and neuter clinic for 137 dogs and cats. And when you go into these third world countries, Mexico, for example, has 18 million street dogs. It's a wow. very very large number. You know, they're roaming around with no food, no vet care. They have diseases, their skin, their fur is falling off. They have ticks and fleece. They're not living the life that you think a puppy is living. So it's just better for them not to be born into those situations in those countries. Like in Pakistan, when I lived there, the government would pay you a hundred rupees. Which was It was the equivalent of like a dollar and a half to kill a dog because they just didn't even know how to take care of the problem wow. so there's all these people out there brutally murdering dogs just to get take the body and show and get money so you know when you see things like that it like really like i think has an impact on you so i thought like what's the best way to do this people don't know this but one spay and neuter of like a dog one dog can reproduce a dog and its puppies can reproduce 67000 dogs in six years wow. so because they have two litters a year yeah. each litter has six to seven so when you think about a year later each one of those are then having six to seven puppies so it, it, that's what the number is for cats it's even more one cat and its offspring produces 420,000 cats in seven years wow so when you say that's... I'm spaying and neutering 100 yeah. animals now you're talking about four million animals not being born so it's, it, it has a big impact
0: well, you just did a, an event in mexico right
1: yes so that yeah. was the event that i hosted yeah. um it was a spare neuter clinic so I set yeah. that up completely from scratch so it was quite a it was quite a journey and it was one that i really enjoyed looking for vets getting all the medications organized getting a venue doing advertising there in the villages so basically we offered a free spare neuter for the poor people in the villages because they just don't have the money to get their to take their pets to like a vet and i'm going to have my second one in december I'm really looking forward to that. And it's like I have such a big passion for animals and it's really a way to give back to the community and try and do something bigger than myself. And it's not just dogs and cats. Like I love all animals and I'm really like making a conscious effort to really advocate for animal welfare because I see the amount of abuse and cruelty that there is in all the industries, fur, farming, um, all of that. So I just want them to have kind of like a voice. And now that I have this platform, you know, I'm like, how can I use it for a greater good? So it's about like, you know, people might say, oh, well, it's just, you know, one animal. But no, it actually impacts, like I said, you spare neuter one. It's impacting thousands and thousands from there. So if we can all take an action, you know, to move the needle just a little bit, a f- long way away, it's like the size of a continent. So I think it's important to like, you know, use your voice and use your platform that you have, whether you have 10 followers or a thousand or a million, to really say how you feel and advocate and show your um, you know show your differences and be outspoken mm-hmm. for what you believe in.
0: That's amazing. And you you fund all this yourself, right? You don't raise any you don't there's no charity, no foundation. So, you fund all this yourself. Yeah, so
1: last year um I did I did a fundraiser. So I raised the money for the charity and this is the importance of being successful. So a lot of the money that I raised was from developers, mm-hmm. right? Because when you have that relationship and you're selling yeah. for them, what are they going to say? Oh, sorry, we're not going to support your charity <laughs> cause. Oh, sorry, no. So, so you know, I use the success that I've built to be able to get what I truly want, which is like, you know, awareness for dogs and like funds for dogs. Now, this year, I'm going to do it on my own. Um, I decided that, you know, it's like a year that's been hard for a lot of people. And I and I feel good because I had a successful year, so I'm funding it on my own. But last year, I mean, I raised it purely from the real estate industry.
0: Where Are you going back to Mexico to do this again? Or yes, I'm
1: going to go back to Mexico and do it, just because it's an area that now I'm familiar with. I've built some contacts there, so it's easier to set up. I had a lot of challenges last year that I feel are going to be ironed out this year. So I'm looking forward to doing my next one. And other than the spay neuter, I also bring back dogs from there. Mm-hmm. So every time that I travel, I try and bring back two to three animals. In the last you know, three years, I've brought back about 20 of them and found them homes here, and he's one of those. He's one that I was supposed to get adopted out, but ended up keeping him.
0: I was going to ask you, what was it about Pablo uh, that made you want to to keep him?
1: Well, other than his adorable face, I think it was just <laughs> the fact that he was, like, he fit in with my lifestyle. He's a very quiet dog. He doesn't bark. I have to rescue cats as well. Um, and I saw that, you know, he was non-reactive to them because I'm in a condo, and I didn't want, like, him, like chasing them around and everybody being stressed out, you know? So it was a v- it was very calm and the dynamic was really good. So I thought, like, he's one that I need to keep.
0: You have such a busy life. You're mm-hmm. always traveling. Mm-hmm. You work so hard. Mm-hmm. How do you balance your personal life with your business life?
1: I mean, listen, entrepreneurship is a series of challenges and we're going to have pressure in our lives at all points. So I've kind of, like, understood that. And I, the way that I balance it, balance it is to have a very strict schedule. So if it's in my schedule, it's going to get done. So I know, you know, what I'm doing two weeks in advance. So even though when I'm traveling, and I also multitask a lot. So, you know, if I'm driving, for example, that's when I listen to uh, my developer pitches because I want to learn the site and I know I'll have a team training the next day. So I use the time in a car when I'm driving to listen to the audio recording of the meeting that I was just at. I'll record it. I'll like do all my homework on the drive. So by really managing my time really, really well, I'm able to fit it all in pretty well, I think.
0: How can people find you? I know you're very active on, on social media.
1: Yeah, you can follow our um, YouTube channel or Instagram at mycondosource.
0: And Instagram is just, it's uh, my condo source. My condo
1: source and my personal one, if you'd like to follow, it's Sahara underscore MCS. I'll be posting a lot in December with the charity clinic that I'm going to be running in Mexico. So follow along.
0: Amazing. Well, this has been really great. I hope uh, that my listeners out there have picked up some very valuable tips. And I think, um, you know, I want to say that I'm really inspired from someone who came into the country. Mm -hmm. I don't know how well your English was when you came in 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. but you didn't make any excuses for yourself. No, you went to school, you put yourself through school and you've become this icon in the real estate world. You're in the top one, one percent. And I just find there's just, I hear too many people that are making excuses for themselves of why they can't succeed. And to me, this is just laziness. It's, excuses it's bullshit Mm -hmm. what i love about you is that you're driven and you have ambition and i think my listeners out there can learn something from you Mm -hmm. that if you want a dream if you have a dream if you want something the only thing stopping you is you yeah and the one thing that you did say is that you invested in yourself when you're talking Mm -hmm. in the very beginning of of the real estate you invested in yourself and and i heard you on another podcast and There's not a project or a building in in Toronto that you don't know the insides and the floor plan of every building down there. Yeah. That takes time.
1: It takes a lot of time.
0: To learn all that stuff. But that's something that made you in the top 1%. So the people that are listening out there right now, The only thing slowing you down or stopping you is you. You got to put the time in, invest in yourself. If this is something that you want to do, whether it's in real estate, whether it's in investments, or whatever, whatever you're trying to do,
1: it's about having patience and persistence. I think those are the two pieces that are the most important. You got to keep showing up every single day, and you got to be very, very patient and persistent because a lot of people think, oh, it's a slow real estate market, so I'll just take some time off. No, like use this time to elevate yourself more than. Any other time, actually, it should be the opposite. You should be working even harder. So, for example, when I was a rental agent, I said, how can I get into sales, right? Because I didn't want to be a rental agent forever. Mm-hmm. So I used the time that I would be taking people to showings to really learn the inside of every building. Made my, made my knowledge level so high that, you know, when people would call me, I didn't even need to show them the unit anymore. I knew what every floor plan was like. There were so many deals that I did from people who were coming here from Ottawa, New York, Montreal, said, oh, I just got a job. I'm moving there. I didn't even need to go into the unit because I know, OK, what are you looking for? I know I have the best unit for you. And they would show up and they'd be like, wow, this is great.
0: But that's that work made you stand out above the rest, because yes. I think there's over 70,000 agents on yeah,
1: 73,000. 73,000 okay.
0: agents on Treb. Mm-hmm. And it's only about. 85 percent that do zero to five transactions per year yeah so the other 15 percent are doing the rest of the transactions mm-hmm. and you are in that top one percent right but you had to do the work
1: you have to do the work and you have to be very very consistent you have to know your product you have to know your craft you have to be okay with rejection you have to understand that every single day you're going to get rejected you're going to be told Knows you have to be okay with ninety nine percent of people Mm -hmm. saying no to you every single day, and still having that motivation to wake up the next day and start all over. And I think one thing that I did very effectively was, you know, I'd start every day at zero. When I did my first hundred deals that year after my rentals, I wasn't like, oh, I did a hundred deals, I'm good. No, I'd wake up with that zero mentality every single day, where I'm starting the day at zero again, as if I have nothing and no deals in the bank. You're hungry very very hungry and to this day i operate the same way if i did three deals last night i'm not going to be like oh let me have a chill morning no i start every day with that same passion and desire because i know that i'm i, I need to work hard now so i don't need to work this hard 15 years from now so i want to milk that time it's
0: so good that you say that because i know realtors out there
1: mm-hmm.
0: they close a big deal yeah and they go oh i'm gonna take the next three months off yeah well you're not going to get those deals all the time yeah like you get that one deal now you got to go you got to build on that momentum keep it keep it going yeah don't slow down don't stop because just because you closed one
1: doesn't mm-hmm. mean
0: the next one's going to be coming around the corner and then you take that time off and then three four or five months later you're like striving for money you're like um, where am i going to get my next deal yeah. from
1: and um like in 2021 and i keep using that as an example because it was a very hot year we grinded harder that year than any other year and really banked in those deals because now is the perfect time to realize why you work so hard because when the deals become harder and they become half of the volume that you did before, you're like, oh, thank God I worked really hard then. So you gotta take advantage of every opportunity that you get. You can't say, oh, this year was my best year versus last year, I'll stop now. No, keep going because 2023 might hit where you have a slow year and then what? So, you know, 2024 might be slow. So you need to bank in every deal that you can get and keep at that same level of motivation because you never know what might change when for you.
0: Absolutely. So what's next for you? You've you you seem to have you've you've accomplished so much. You're in the top of your industry.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um you're you're rescuing dogs. What's next?
1: I think to keep expanding my team and trying to build more agents under me um, and showing value to them so that they can grow their businesses and and you know that way I can also grow my team and have more time for animal rescue hopefully open a sanctuary one day which will oh. require a big amount of funds obviously mm-hmm. so for me like success is very important because to achieve my bigger goals like bigger than just to spay in your clinic once a year like I have to keep growing and keep expanding no, that's awesome. I think that would be great
0: I think this has been really great. I hope our listeners actually learn something from you. And if they're looking to get into pre-construction, mm-hmm. they can reach out to you because um, you know all the builders and you, <laughs> know, you know all the, the projects that are going on in the city. Yeah. Don't forget to follow on YouTube if you want to watch and you can connect with us on social media through Instagram and TikTok. All, we're out of time for today, so take care of yourself and take care of your wealth.
1: Thanks, John. Thanks for having Thanks, me. Thanks,
0: Sahar.